Welcome to Oh, The People Will Meet podcast with your host, me, Stephanie Richardson. On each episode, I'll be joined by a special guest who shares her story of dreaming big, accomplishing goals, and finding unique purpose in life. Along life's journey, you never know the people we'll meet. Can you have freedom from a traumatic experience? Wendy Gibbs shares her own personal experience of finding freedom through a traumatic experience and how she helps others find the same freedom. You don't want to miss this powerful story. All right. I'm so happy to have my friend Wendy Gibbs on our podcast today. Um, You know, Wendy, I always start the podcast sharing how I met people since it's called, Oh, the people will meet because I meet people in the most random places. And, um, but with you, I met you because of a mutual friend, Corey Baker, introduced us, and we had a really fun conversation about how um, your business is growing and how you are so excited about what God's doing with your business and how you want to help even more people. And so that's kind of how we met, but we just kind of became friends instantly because we yes. just had a lot in common yes. being moms and business owners mm-hmm. and um, just really wanting to seek the Lord in, in our next steps in our business. So yes. Welcome to Oh, the People We Meet Will Meet. I'm so glad to have you on our podcast today. Cute Thank thing. You. And you're wearing my favorite color, pink. So obviously <laughs> we are meant to be friends. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why Corey introduced us, right? Uh-huh. All right, totally. Well, I wanted to see, um, let's start talking about, now you are a counselor and um, you've been a counselor for quite a, quite a while, but you, I'd love to hear kind of how your upbringing brought you to where you are. Yes. Well, if you're ready to dig deep, I'm going to go there. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a woman of prayer and prayer is integral to me having a sense of a spiritual and mental health foundation. And the way that I found that was I had some emotional, tumultuous situations in my childhood, and I was having confusion and learning how to handle myself, understand the situation I was in, and had a yearning to thrive and have a foundation and understand who I was. And Mm. uh, this wonderful woman who's now passed, um, Cheryl Carter, she discipled me to see my reflection, my identity of Christ in the word and in, in prayer. And so the more that I pursued that, the more I found myself and realized the situation I was in was chaotic but I could be firm and I could stand firm. So that was tested when I was 17. Uh, I was in a horseback riding accident and it was pretty serious. Um, it was a stormy Florida day <laughs> as we have, and I'm riding my pony out in the field and I did everything on this. We, you know, we just, jumped the fences. We jumped stitches. We were out in the country just doing our own thing. I was bareback riding or Western or England. It didn't matter. Just, you know, get on the horse and go. And it was one of those days and um, a thunderstorm came up real quick. There was lightning and the lightning started before the rain. And 
it really spooked my horse and she started running and I could not stop her. I didn't have the right bridle on her. I uh, wasn't wearing a helmet and I was on bareback. <laughs> oh gosh. She stop. And, um, and she was going, going, going. And I'm used to her jumping and she would jump anything, but she didn't like uh, the lightning and it spooked me. Mm-hmm. And she did a zigzag sideways in the middle of a limestone road, mm. flying off. And I shattered my pelvis, broke my hip and had a traumatic brain injury. Oh, and wow. my father was out uh, driving in the country looking for me. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. This is a terrible moment, I'm sure, in his life. And he's driving. And so he sees this man walking on the side. I'm sorry. He was walking. He was walking, looking for me. I Somehow he got out of his car and was walking. I think he was walking around a field or something. And my would-be future husband, who I'm now married to, but back then I wasn't married to, he lived out there, was driving by and saw my dad walking on the side of the road looking for me and said, hey, man, <laughs> you need help? You know, do you need something? And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm looking for my daughter. She just flew off on the horseback ride and I don't know where she is. And he was like, well, jump in and we'll look for her. And when they were in the car together, they realized that they were familiar and that they both went to the same church. But essentially, they didn't really know who each other was until they're like, don't I know you? You know, it's a small town. And oh, yeah, yeah, in church. And so um, so they're looking and they drive up on this Lime Rock Road and see me and I'm completely unconscious, just and they get out, they run over and my husband would be husband, future husband. And my dad started praying over me. And, uh, I vaguely, I don't really remember my dad there until the hospital, but in my own self, I was like going, (laughs) I was, there was some gorgeous Hills and some psychedelic colors and peaceful noises and, a place where there was no more confusion and no more suffering. And I wanted to go there. (laughs) I did not want to come back. (laughs) And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, it's not your time yet. And I was like, yeah, but (laughs) pretty nice. And I felt that he was saying, no, that grief is too much for your parents, for your family. It's not time yet. And I literally felt myself just being pulled And I heard my would-be husband's voice saying, Wendy, come back. Wendy, come back. Wendy, and he was praying over broken bones and just like praying, praying, praying. And I just like came back. And as soon as I was like back, you know, it was matrix kind of a moment. Um, (laughs) Everything that was like blue and green and richer colors than I have ever experienced in my life was gray, dull, stormy, rainy, uncomfortable. And the pain was just, I mean, uh, insane. I was just screaming my head off, you know? So my poor dad, again, I I feel for him. He picks me up. I know you're not supposed to do that, but he didn't know what to do. And took me to the car, took me to the hospital. I was unconscious again. They did all of the exams and such found that I had a crack, the whole length of my hip bone 
that had calcium deposits all the way up the hip bone. And they asked me, did you break a hip that's since been healed? How long ago was that? Years ago, five years ago? And I said no and realized that my future husband, Clint, had prayed and my hip had healed. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you could see it on the scan. Uh, the other things that were damaged did not heal immediately. And that's where I discovered really who I am is I had about two years of um, terrible cluster migraines, swelling on the brain. Um, I stuttered. My right side of my body wasn't working correctly. My fine motor skills were off. And um, the journey of healing you know, it's one thing to heal in your body, but when you're experiencing chronic pain and parts of your body that aren't cooperating, particularly with TBI, traumatic brain injury, it seems so, you know, um, unclear Right, is the source and why does it impact me in this particular way? And so there was a point where I went through five rounds of opioids. I'm allergic to opioids, so none of those worked. I went to the ER something like 21 times from um, seizures. And um, I finally one day <laughs> told my parents, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I just, I, God's either going to have to heal me or I don't know what, but I can't, I can't keep going to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Keep, you know, trying to deal with pain that's I'm always on edge. And so one night I was praying and I said, God, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm screaming inside. Like I can't handle the, I can't handle being in this amount of pain every day, like all day long and not knowing what's going on in my head. And I, I really felt like that's where the enemy really wanted to mess with my mental health. And I'm yeah. reading book right now called get out of your head by Jenny Allen. It's so good. And it's so good. It refers to that a little bit, like the thought feeling process. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this at that point, I just knew my psychological health, maybe at stake. Yes. <laughs> you know, I was what the doctor said is it's a medically induced depression. When you have swelling on the temporal lobe. Um, it gets in there with your frontal, your prefrontal, your temporal lobe messes with your amygdala. You have swelling, you have inflammation, you feel depressed medically induced depression. I didn't know that. I was sitting on the edge of my bed praying, thinking maybe I should do something about this. And the enemy was right there with brain pain expresses itself through imagery of ways out. And I saw scenes that I've never seen before that I didn't, you know, I've never, I, I didn't grow up watching horror films, <laughs> so I yeah. didn't know like imagery that was dark or that was harmful to me, but I saw, I saw self-destructive scenes in front of my eyes and I was like, oh no, 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 <laughs> I know this is wrong. And, um, I just prayed. I prayed all night long, mm. prayed. I, my, my sheets were soaked. I was soaked. I read through most of the new Testament that night. I just prayed until I didn't have anything left. And I'm telling you, it's not because of my prayer that I was healed. I needed to pray so that I could understand um, how to discipline my flesh and understand the spirit. Mm. And so through that night, I feel like I gained identity in Christ, not as being someone who is ill or injured, 
but someone who knows the love of God. Wow. And the next morning I got up, no headache, no pain, nothing. I went to college. I was in college. I took a geometry exam. (laughs) (laughs) Came back home, took a shower, told my parents, yeah, it was an interesting night. You know, Um, I still lived at my parents' house at that time. And um, I think my dad was so bewildered through this whole experience. He just was staring at me wide-eyed, but my mom, she had that twinkle in her eye, you know, and she was like, Jesus met you, didn't he? And I said, yes, he did. And, um, you know, it was like a Damascus experience for me. Mm. So since then, the call I have on my life is psychological freedom for people. I started off as uh, teaching English. Uh I was a ghostwriter and editor for five years. I taught high school English for four years. But every time I was writing something or interacting with my students, uh, there was a deeper yearning in me to help them (laughs) with their like social psychological issues, which teenagers pretty readily you know they would yes before school at lunch after school and it was a safe place and um and I wanted to learn I wanted to write I wanted to express how to be free and uh so I went back to graduate school uh I have a master's in marriage and family therapy and then um I started working as a victim advocate for the victims of human trafficking sexual assault the adult survivors of childhood molestation and domestic violence. And um, there are many, many, many stories of miracles working in that field. And I'm thanking God for it. Uh, eventually, my husband asked me if I could get a different job because um, <laughs> it was very intense. You know, I like lay awake at night, like thinking about all of the things. And he was like, can you get a calmer job? <laughs> So I worked in psychiatry. <laughs> I don't know if that was calmer. It was I don't a, see like that being calmer. Okay. Yeah, not calmer, just different, a different kind of career. And so I worked there for six and a half, no, seven and a half years. Uh, and then I started my own practice and we're integrative. I do EMDR trauma therapy. We also do classic CBT. Uh, we have four therapists. We're... Um, hoping for our fifth therapist at the end of this year uh, and an intern next year. Um, We're a tight team. Um, We do a high volume of work. Um, Our town really needs this kind of work. Um, I'm delighted to be starting a podcast with one of my best friends um, called Living Well, Thriving in Every Season. And that's launching in November. and I'm also teaching a psychology class for Chula Vista Christian University. Oh my goodness. That is so amazing. Oh my goodness. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about, I want to talk about this, um, ghostwriting thing, how you got into ghostwriting. <laughs> and I also want to talk to you about, um, kind of, kind of like how you've been able to not bring it home you know, with seeing all these different things. So let's take a quick break and then come back. Does your life feel like you're in the movie Groundhog Day? Stressed, overwhelmed, lackluster, on repeat? I've developed a free resource just for you. 
Connect with us at leadershipmadefun.com and download your free copy of five ways to find more fun and freedom in your life. Discover the secrets to living the life you've always wanted. All right, so we're back. And Wendy has been sharing this amazing story about how she's been able to use her own story to help other people find freedom um, with trauma, pain. Um, And it's amazing how God uses our hard and our just our horrible situations to bring light to other people. And I love how the Lord just has met you in that and how you've been able to help other people. It's, it's such a beautiful story. I'm just sitting here with like goosebumps. Um, and one of the things that you were talking about earlier is you were talking about, um, kind of when you were in, you know, working with different domestic violence, all these different things, bringing yes. it home, yes. you know, kind of feeling like, so how were you able to, I've always wondered people that yeah. are in your field, like, how do you not bring it home and how do you like cut that off? You know? So I asked my supervisor at that time, he was brilliant because I was having a hard time separating myself from work. And I didn't realize that, but my husband did. He, yeah. He said, you're here, but you're not really here. What are you thinking about? So I asked her the next day at work and she said, Oh, I've noticed that if you could, you know, pack up those patients and put them on your back and take them home and tuck them in and read them a bedtime story, you would feel more in control, which is key. And I said, yes, that's true. And she said that the trick is that you have to know you're not in control, that you're a, a vessel and that you do the best that you can in that moment to facilitate the healing that they're capable of receiving. And then you leave that ball in their court. And if you have faith, if you're a person of faith, this is a lot easier to do than if you, you aren't. <laughs> right. But we live in a state of surrender. And so in that way, I can do my best in the moment and then know that I've showed them the love of God and I've done the best to be an instrument of healing. And that's enough. And that's, that's enough for me to do that. That's so amazing. Do you think that's why people have a hard time um, going deep with other people is because they, they in turn, like they take on the other person's stuff instead of just releasing control that they're not in control. They're not responsible for what's going on in that other person's life. Yeah. I I do think that we are built to put things into order and that when we can't and it feels out of control, it can be triggering to other traumatic stress that we're experiencing. Uh But if someone with us is confused or chaotic or distressed and we can't fix that, then we feel chaotic, confused, and distressed. And that cognitive dissonance is uncomfortable. So we either avoid it or we blow past appropriate boundaries and take it on. And neither one is a functional response. So what's the correct response? (laughs) Um, I need to know. Yeah. Well, to use the skills that you've learned as a Christian, as a therapist, as a mom, as a friend, to give empathy, to reflect insight, and then to leave that with the person for them to utilize themselves because they're just as capable as anyone else. Mm. To, to utilize that, but that becomes um, a decision of awareness and insight. And then you leave. 
Yeah. And pray. I mean, I pray over yeah. people a lot. And pray over them. Yeah. Pray over them, that, but not take it on as your responsibility because really you can't heal that person. No. They have to, the Lord, only the Lord can heal them. Yeah. We're not saviors. We're not pills in a bottle. Mm, so heroes. true. Isn't that so true? <laughs> okay. So tell me about this ghostwriting thing. How did you get into that? That's super random. Yes. Well, from where, went, like, were you a teacher and then that you started ghostwriting or you were no. counseling or what? I went to the University of Florida in the College of Journalism and I had an internship with a business magazine and I met the editor and we really hit it off and he allowed me to travel with him to interviews and I met some amazing entrepreneurs and was fascinated and as was my editor. And my editor started a side business of ghostwriting for businessmen and entrepreneurs who wanted to write and didn't have formal formal training. Uh And his uh, business was uh, overrun. And he asked me if I would take the leftover and just do kind of copy editing. But as soon as I started with copy editing, some of those authors contacted me individually and said, can you just write this chapter? So I started doing that. And then I guess my name was passed around and I was contacted a lot over about five years. Um, Some, uh, the best story was I got a fast picture of a napkin with an idea on it. (laughs) (laughs) And you had to write about it from a napkin? Yes. It was a whole, I researched the whole book, wrote the book. Um, It was pretty fabulous. Actually, I really liked it, but I did that for about five years and I loved it. Um, I wasn't confident enough yet to write my own books. And I felt like the Lord was calling me to do something different in that season to teach school, which in turn opened the doors for psychology and therapy. But um, I'm very happy just sitting at home being cozy and writing books. So awesome. That is so awesome. You have now, you, you started your own firm, um, which is called live well, and you have another therapist with you, right? And then two other, um, Mm -hmm. from what I can tell two other girls that work with you. Um, is that correct? Yeah, we haven't updated our website with our latest employee, but we have, I have three other therapists besides me. Oh gosh. Another <laughs> assistant as well. And you're hoping to have a fifth one? We're having a, another a fifth start in the fall and then also an intern or maybe two in the spring. Oh wow. So it's growing. I mean, obviously yes. there's a need, right? Do yes. you feel like COVID has um it's funny because you're the third therapist I've had on every season I've had a therapist on my podcast because I'm a big fan of therapy. I go every month to counseling, um, with a biblical counselor. Um, it has been life-saving. It's been so helpful. Um, and so I see the need of it, you know, just, and I haven't had like major trauma stuff happen in my life. And so, um, but with COVID and stuff, are you seeing more patients because of that? And because of kind of coming like because of the pandemic, Yeah, the isolation at first was uh, so difficult for people who may perseverate on specific thoughts that they're having or not really do the things that help with depression and anxiety that aren't just 
pharmaceutical therapy, but are the fresh air and the exercise and the dopamine inducing routines of friends and coffee and, you know, all of those positive parts of life that give us happiness was so diminished that uh, that became a major trigger. It was like everyone's threshold was so diminished from, you know, COVID and their sense of resilience was way, way down. And honestly, a lot of people were having a lot of financial struggle, were having feeling like they didn't have access to their doctors for cough cold, um, which was really scary because they thought not COVID, I can't, you know, have access. And I live in a medical hub in Gainesville, Florida, and our hospitals have been completely overrun. Um, right now, even they've shut down elective surgeries again. And um, the main floors of all of our, our major hospitals are taken with COVID patients. So I think there's also been a lot of fear about mm. what COVID is and, and what its potential is. And if you're already living with uh, a lot of anxiety, the idea of the unknown and not having a plan is very disturbing. Right. So, you know, for all of those reasons, um, mental health ha- needs to take a forefront up there with your walk with God and with family and uh, your work-life balance and sense of purpose in life. And I think that maybe mental health hasn't been prioritized as much before the worldwide pandemic, but it doesn't take much to realize I, I, I need my, my, my brain to be in order. It's an, right. organ. it's a complex organ and sure. it's always changing due to neuroplasticity. It's coming organically from the inside out. It's uh, taking in variables from the outside in. So when your outside is very distressed, that's impactful to how you process information inside. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, it's definitely been a interesting ride. Um, let me ask you this question. Um, tell me how you've been able to, you have how many kids? Two, uh-huh. three, two, two kids, kids, right? 17 two kids, and 20. Mm-hmm. 17 and 20. So how have you been able to balance being a mom and having a career and all of that. I have an amazing partner, <laughs> my husband. Uh, we love each other. We've been married for 21 years. Uh, he is the CFO of a national company, so his hours are very demanding. Mm. So even though he's busy, he understands the demands I also have and is respectful of that. Mm. Uh, We've always been incredibly transparent with our kids. So we make family dinner a priority. And there's not a lot we don't talk with our kids about. And I think by including them in our conversation about the purpose we have as a family and what we want our family culture to be has really allowed a buy-in from everyone to support what everyone else is doing in their lives, whether it's their college major, their high school career, their sports, their jobs, that we all have a part to play in being a family that reflects the purposes of God and the love of God on earth. And so if we're open with each other and supporting each other, it doesn't feel like you're trapped in a specific role. It feels like everyone is helping each other as a team to get dinner on the table or connect with each other or 
you know, make sure the bills are paid or that, what have you. But in a more practical sense, uh, my husband definitely does the accounting (laughs) taxes. And uh, I definitely meal plan and uh, try to batch cook on a Saturday and meal procurement. And I've messed with different services, but I still just love Trader Joe's on a Monday night. So (laughs) I do my spin class. I go to Trader Joe's and, um, you know, but I have to say it's easier having 17 and 20 year old because they can drive. Yes. Just driving everyone. It was a matter of logistics. I have five different calendars on my phone that all sync with each other to tell me what to do. As long as I can stay calm and stay in the moment, it will work. (laughs) (laughs) Just to follow the plan. Calm and in the moment. Okay. That's key. Everyone stay calm and in the moment and have a calendar that syncs. Yes. I think I love that. I love that, Wendy, that everyone's a part of the story. Yes. The story that God has given your family. And I think that's so important to see, you know, instead of everyone having their own story, that God is part of your family's story. What is your family's story? And it takes all of you um, in order to make that story work, right? Yes. And, um, and I love that because so many times, you know, we focus so much on our kids or what their sports are or whatever, you know, I, I don't know that I did a very good job of that, you know, of, you know, here's part of our story, except we, we when we moved to Colorado, we moved for my husband's job. He went to go work for a, a nonprofit. And that was probably the one time in our family's life that we, we all moved, we all sacrificed and moved to Colorado because we knew God had called us to something mm-hmm. a little bit you know, bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. And then I guess when we moved back to Texas for my dad, my dad was dying. We moved back to Texas for the family, for the family, right. For the the family unit, the larger family unit, but being a part of a story is, is really important for our kids, you know, to Mm -hmm. know that they're a part of that and to know that the world is not revolving around them. Yes, that's true. Right. I mean, because it's easy for us to let the world revolve around them and Um, instead of what God's doing in our life. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a little bit about trauma care because we've been having a lot of success with trauma care. And I know that that's really excited you. And so we're going to come back and talk about that. Does your life feel like you're in the movie Groundhog Day? Stressed, overwhelmed, lackluster, on repeat? I've developed a free resource just for you. Connect with us at leadershipmadefun.com and download your free copy of five ways to find more fun and freedom in your life. Discover the secrets to living the life you've always wanted. Wendy, you've had a lot of success with trauma care. Um, And tell me a little bit about that and um, kind of the success that you're seeing there. Sure. Well, we're all human beings. And so we've all experienced some level of trauma or distress. Hmm. I think again, touching on COVID or going back to events like 9-11, at least in this country, sometimes hurricanes, earthquakes, uh, buildings falling down, South Florida Hmm. that provide either direct traumatic distress or vicarious distress, whenever they feel like uh, things beyond our control. And so many people have experienced that on a very personalized level that when I first started in the field, I didn't plan to go into uh, 
you know, rehabilitation for sexual trauma or other types of trauma. Uh, but I sat next to someone in graduate school who said, I'm a sexual assault nurse examiner and I'm oh. here to learn more tools to cope. And we need people in this field. And I literally in my in my head said, oh no. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Lord. No, thank and my God was like, yes, yes. And it's brought me so much joy to champion survivorship. And for me, it has actually uh, run over. I feel like there's a cup running over for abundance, healing that isn't just recovery, that it's thriving. And I, I see veterans, I see people who are survivors of all kinds of traumatic distress. And to see and to watch right in front of me, miracles happen and people restored in their mental health to the point where they're above and beyond in abundance and thriving and making new choices and decisions for themselves that are fruitful, that aren't in survival mode anymore, but they can make progressive, positive choices. I mean, to witness that is, it's the joy of my life. Because a lot of times when people go to like counseling or whatever, that it's like, like it could be forever. You could go to counseling forever. I may go to counseling sure. forever. I don't know. But <laughs> if you, if you don't, if you don't see like, I think it'd be very fr frustrating when you don't see the fruits of that, right? You don't see complete yeah. healing. You know, it's like if you were a doctor and the person came back mm -hmm. every week for the same wound mm -hmm. because they weren't taking care of that wound, mm -hmm. that'd be really frustrating, you know, or in my mm -hmm. business if people, you know, you know, want to get healthy and I give them the tools, but they don't use the tools. It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of frustrating. Right. Yes. And, and but for you to see, but it's really exciting when you're me, when you see people like really get healthy and yes. feel that confidence again and yes. feel that, I mean, that's what you should be. I mean, if you're going to counseling, yes. you're going to therapy, that's how you should yes. be, right? You should be at the yes. end of that, a different person. Yeah. You know, occasionally there are people who want a little bit of life coaching or business coaching, and I'm, I'm not expecting something drastic. I'm expecting that someone feels more in control of their thought process mm. with clarity to make the decisions they want to make that produces the results that they're looking for. And so I'm using a lot of evidence-based therapies with measurable goals. But honestly, a lot of what I'm doing is, is so much of a trauma intervention that I'm going to see a change one way or the other. It's a dynamic situation. Um, but I also do a lot of treatment planning with patients and goal setting um, so that they know there's something measurable because it's expensive to pay for therapy. Yes. Emotionally taxing. It takes uh, time, you know? Mm -hmm. So my goal is that, that no one end up in the fetal position. <laughs> you know? They walk out feeling relief, feeling good. It's kind of like a workout, like a, like a full workout, but it's a good sore, you know, versus the injured. Yeah. Um, and that builds your stamina and resilience and your strength. Uh, and I think that those are things that patients are gaining. Um, mm. I have to say, I think that my approach is probably zeroing in on that versus um, psychoanalysis. That's, that's kind of 
let's just talk about your your thoughts and and analyze that. I, I'm I'm not really doing that as much, so I'm probably have positioned myself to see measurable results. That's awesome. You have a plan when you go in. It's not like yes. just kind of touchy feely, like whatever. Yes. It's like, Hey, this is our goal at the end of yes. this. And then that's where we're moving towards. And yes. you know, when people have a goal, like whatever it is, like it's so much better than like yes. wandering around, you know, not yes. knowing where you're going to go and haphazard and you yes. know, whatever. And so I love that, that you're using goal setting in your counseling, because you're finding that that is people are finding results, right? Yes. And if you have read the book, Atomic Habits by James, yes. oh, that book really, really got to me because I think sometimes we talk about goals, like you write it down and do it every day. But when you do a deeper work of identity, that you're the sort of person to make a different decisions based on a different framework, your paradigm of yourself, your feelings, your thoughts are different. The choices that open up to be productive and to be well are so much greater and so much clearer. And that's my goal really is to help people with their identity so that no matter if they have me or not in their life, the way they think about themselves and who they are in the world is fundamentally changed. I love it. I love that so much. I am so, so excited. I'm so excited about how, (laughs) how your practice is growing. And if people want to, I mean, obviously you're in Gainesville, Florida, if people want to um, work with you or whatever, is that possible? I saw that there's a zoom option. So we do telehealth and uh, we do have a waiting list. So one of the reasons why we're growing is to handle local demand Mm. The reason we're growing is to replicate the good work that's going on so that I can continue to free myself to speak a little bit more um, on our podcast and other venues so that I have a chance to talk about the lessons I'm learning that are working. Oh, I love it. Thriving in every season. And Wendy Gibbs is amazing. As you guys already know from listening to her today, she's just like such a sparkle and such a light. And I'm so thankful for what you're doing. You are changing people's lives. You're helping um, and you're using your horrible traumatic experience um, (laughs) for good, you know? And, you know, sometimes when we go through those hard things, we're like, I don't know why this is happening to me. Right. And, you know, and obviously God had such a cool path laid out for you. Um, and I'm so excited and I can't wait for us to go on a trip to, um, Atlanta soon and go shopping. Absolutely. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Oh, The People Will Meet. Don't forget to visit my website, leadershipmadefun.com to download for free five ways to find more fun and freedom in your life or contact me directly. If you've loved the podcast, would you share it with your friends and even subscribe? I look forward to who we're going to meet next time. Until then. Until then.